The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Thank you to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings that we're using as our intro this season. James, we're on to the American League after running through all, div- all three divisions in the National League. 117 prospects you need to know in the AL East, your latest piece up on the site. And man, I just finished a marathon, four and a half hour AL only draft with the CBS guys. And a lot of these players we're going to talk about in this piece were, were taken. And I'm pretty exhausted, hungry, but we're, we're going to power through. Yeah, I was uh, sort of jealous that you were just sitting there drafting. But those those only leagues can really be a bit of a grind on the <laughs> I mean, you were there for about five hours. Yeah, that was a lot. It is kind of nice. I mean, obviously, we're pretty lucky to be in this industry and i certainly feel lucky but you know to, to be able to do this in the middle of the day at work it's certainly nice but tonight i'm gonna have to spend we're doing the round table rankings i'm gonna have to spend most of my night fixing those because mine are still kind of a mess 
Uh, <clears throat> I need to actually do my, my projections finally. I've been meaning to do that. Haven't done it, so I'm just kind of winging this top 350. Obviously, I know the guys I like more than others, but <clears throat> the guys I'm like really staying away from generally in draft season, hard to fit in because you know, I'm not going to just take them off my 350 entirely, but hard to really know where to put them when you're completely out on a guy. But let's dive into this Farm Futures piece here. Again, 117 prospects you need to know. And in the Orioles organization, first and foremost, Austin Hayes, 18th overall in your overall top 400. Like the player, forget exactly what he went for in that CBS auction, but I think it was seven, eight bucks. It was reasonable, but uh, expectations are pretty high for this kid. I don't like that he doesn't walk much, but what are you ex- expecting from Austin Hayes in his first uh, probably full season in the major leagues? I think it's just going to be really tough to predict at least at this stage in the calendar mid-february how much playing time he's going to get i know that it's easy to look at that organizational depth chart and just kind of pencil him in as the everyday right fielder but probably would be best for his development to to go to to triple a for at least a month or two just because he, he completely skipped that level last year but you know the the Orioles they definitely didn't have to call him up last year and and they I mean he was raking at double a definitely deserved some sort of a promotion I would have expected it to be to triple a not to the majors but uh yeah I mean I I think that if he were to play every day and you know hit enough in the first six or eight weeks to not get demoted I think that he could finish the year with like a 260 average and maybe 15 to 20 homers I think that that's you know, kind of like Max Kepler-ish production in, in year one, I think, is in play uh, out of Hayes. But, yeah, you're not guaranteed at bats necessarily just because of how inexperienced he is in the upper levels. Uh, you know, they have a guy like Anthony Santander that they need to keep on the roster early on for uh, Rule 5 purposes. Uh, he could get at bats too. Uh, so it's just I'm I'm a bit more worried about the – playing time risks with Hayes than I am the production like I I don't I don't see him taking the league by storm and being this year's you know name whichever prospect you want from last year that that really over overperformed uh but I think he's he's useful definitely in your AL onlys and your deep mixers absolutely what about uh, Ryan Mountcastle number number two in this organization just outside the top 100 overall been playing a lot of shortstop in the minors but big-bodied kid do you think a, a move to maybe the outfield is coming for him yeah I've you know I've never seen him live but from everything I gather he doesn't have really any of the tools that you need at shortstop so uh second base third base left field I mean I think left field probably makes the most sense long term just based on the defensive skill set uh you know, I, I just kind of view him as like a poor man's Austin Hayes and Hayes is a, a much better athlete. I know Hayes didn't run a ton in the minors last year, but I think, you know, he's got the wheels to steal 10 to 15 bases early on and Mountcastle's not going to run at all. Uh, they both have the potential to hit 300 or around 300 in their peak seasons. But I think Hayes has significantly more raw power. I think Mountcastle might top out as like a 20 to 25 homer guy. Hayes could get to 30 in his peak years. Interesting. What about uh, Jomar Reyes? He was somebody that fell throughout the course of the 2017 season. Stock took a hit. Really, 
was a, a learning season for him, I'd, I'd imagine. Still really young, just 21, but uh, is now a time to raise expectations for him and expect Reyes to, to finally start to tap into that power. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know why everyone's so down on him this year. Uh, he, he missed time with an injury, and it was a self-induced injury. I think he, like, punched something in the clubhouse or whatever and missed time because of that nice which is a you know time-honored baseball tradition uh but yeah i did yeah. that at hoops i did that at hoops and kind of hurt my hand <laughs> um, he threw me a pass and it bounced right off my hand and there was a a table stationed upright and i had to, I had to punch that <laughs> um a similar athlete yeah yeah i mean yeah you know uh I don't, I, yeah, but I just don't get it with, with Reyes. Like to me, he's still, nothing has really changed. And if anything, he answered some questions last year. He had a repeat trip to, to high a and was on his way to a fairly impressive year as one of the younger players in that league still, even though he's repeating it, I think he's going to start the year double a as one of the youngest players in that league. He's got, he still has 70 grade raw power. He's probably not going to end up at third base. Definitely going to, you know, I mean, he, he has the power to hold his own as a designated hitter or a first baseman if that's where he ends up having to move. So I, j- I just don't really get why people are so down on him. It's sort of a combination of fatigue maybe with the name. I mean, he's been around a while and just, you know, he, he's not going to show up. Like he, he's not on like the Baseball America top 10 or anything like that just because there's no defensive utility really. But uh, to me, I, I still think he's a top 200 prospect for Dynasty League. So uh, I would say buy low. You might not even have to trade for him. I mean, he might just be out there. So I, definitely a guy worth scooping up in leagues where 200 prospects are rostered. Yeah, even though he was hurt for a large portion of the year and didn't hit for power, still hit 302 uh, with a pretty manageable K rate, 16.1%. So, yeah, still quite a bit to like with Joe Marais. Now, you mentioned Anthony Santander kind of in passing when talking about Austin Hayes. I don't think he went in that CBS AL only league. Maybe a guy who could be picked up uh, because, as you mentioned, a Rule Five guy who's going to have to be on this roster. But in terms of skill set, what are we looking at? Uh, batting average and power. I mean, that's pretty much with all, all three or all four of these top four guys in the system. All guys with the upside to hit around three hundred. All guys with the upside to hit twenty plus homers. So, just that that combination is nice. He was the last pick, I believe, of Ian Kahn and I in, in the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. So picked in the late 700s in a, in a startup dynasty, which I think was fine. I mean, he, he gets compared to Victor Martinez as, as a switch hitter with very little defensive value. And I think that those, you know, if you just compare their swings, it's very, very similar. It's easy to kind of see where those comps come from. Obviously, Martinez had many many productive offensive seasons and Santander is a guy that probably starts the year in the big leagues and then then gets sent back to triple a but when he was at double a last year rehabbing uh an injury I mean he was just putting up crazy crazy numbers over a small sample I mean he's really never not hit at extended stops in the minors so uh Santander has a little bit of deep league single or deep single season league value to me or appeal maybe not a guy that you have to draft but just a guy you know, if it's if we get to, you know late in spring training, and he's hitting just as well as a guy like Austin Hayes, uh, he becomes a guy that I would maybe throw a dart on in in deep single season leagues, and then you know maybe in in April if 
if he starts getting, you know, two, three, four starts a week uh, for whatever reason and, and does okay, I think he's a guy that should definitely be considered for a pickup. Your number five prospect in the Orioles system, Chance Cisco, a guy who's getting a lot of love in two catcher leagues this year. I mean, not a ton of love, but getting drafted in most, you know, 15 team two catcher leagues. Uh, and you'll find him a lot higher in a lot of real life prospect lists, but you're pretty low on this guy, 223 overall. And you say here in the article that his time is now. He should get an opportunity. But how much do you see Andrew Susak, who they acquired, eating into his opportunities? I don't really. I, I think Susak was acquired as kind of a third catcher, like a backup plan if if Cisco isn't cutting it in spring training or whatever, if someone gets hurt. Uh, I just, I'm not, I mean, that is no bearing on how much I like Cisco, but I, ju- I just don't see a standout fantasy category for him i mean the the best thing going for him is that he qualifies at catcher and figures to probably get you know 250 plus plate appearances this year but i you know he used to be a guy that was seen as someone with a with a plus hit tool he kind of sacrificed a bit of that with his approach last year to try to get to a little bit more power but even like if he gets to some power it's going to be of the kind of 10 to 20 homer variety and it'll come at the expense of his batting average i'd I'd honestly prefer it if he just tried to hit for as as high an average as he could and just took whatever power came with it and then then you could maybe dream on some like 280 290 type of seasons but uh i don't think there are any indications that that's necessarily in the cards definitely not in 2018 so just kind of a a filler guy for me i'm i'm not (laughs) We've talked about this a lot already this offseason. You're not going to see any catching prospects on any of my redraft teams because it's just the guys that are getting pu- pushed up there, the the Cisco's, Alfaro, Mejia types. I would just rather take like a James McCann guy and just call mm-hmm. it a day. Yeah, my second catcher spot in that <clears throat> CBS league I ended up taking Swihart. Shout out to the legend Lenny Melnick for throwing that possibility out there. I kind of, to be honest, all due respect to Lenny, kind of laugh at that possibility, but he was dead on. Swire will be getting reps at second base this year, and any kind of catcher that's playing elsewhere, I'm interested in. Cedric Mullins, number six in the system. I'm going to mostly skip over him, but you do throw an O'Double Herrera comp on him, which is interesting. Hunter Harvey, kind of still waiting around on this guy. He's on the 40-man roster, doesn't have much experience, um, well, no experience uh, above low A, but do you think maybe he gets pushed pretty aggressively this year? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the fact that he's on the 40-man and the fact that he's 23 are going to both sort of lead the Orioles to maybe assign him to a level higher than he maybe should be assigned to and maybe promote him with a bit more aggression than he should be promoted. Uh he doesn't really have the you know back in the day like four years ago three years ago before all these injuries popped up he was in my top 50 overall I want to say he was just one of those super super exciting young pitching prospects that had number one or number two starter upside and he serves as a very relevant test case I think uh you know I've I was joking with our buddy Chris Welsh, I'm doing a couple prospect mocks for for his site right now, and I'm going to walk away from this draft season 
having done uh, at least four dynasty slash prospect mock drafts and i'm i might walk away with one total pitching prospect of all those mocks because i just cannot get a pitching prospect to save my life because i don't i don't have them ranked necessarily as high as where they're going and it just i think people are missing the the risk factor with all these guys everyone's just so excited about some of these young pitchers and that they're still pitching prospects and hunter harvey used to be a guy that would have gone in the top three rounds of any kind of a prospect mock and now we're sitting here four years later and he's outside of my top 300 he's he might still have number three starter upside if everything goes perfectly from here on out but i mean it really would just go a long way if he could stay healthy all season yeah when we finished up the staff keeper three uh, inaugural auction and draft last year i was asked a few times like why why did you only draft one pitching prospect Sixto sanchez and it's just the bus rate is so high i feel like i'm confident in the fact that i can well, maybe not a fact that's disputable, but uh, the idea that I can get pitching here and there, see, notice skills and find some breakouts before other people do. But elsewhere in the system, DL Hall, Adam Hall. Let's just move. DJ Let's move. Stewart, on. I was going to say, <laughs> this is putting me to sleep yeah, just going through no, this. List. We're done with the Orioles. This is disgusting. Boston, Michael Chavez, Chavis? Chavis. I always forget how to Chavis. That's correct. I know he was getting quite a bit of buzz in the fall league. He was somebody that did draft in that CBS, uh, the reserve rounds, just as a corner guy who could be up at some point. I know they have a lot of options they're rotating in right now, but do you see him not only getting a, a chance this year, but maybe having some initial success? He's so tough to peg for 2018 just because, you know, his natural position's third base and they have Raphael Devers there his you know physically I think his next most natural position will be second base they have I mean he's not going to be ready before Dustin Pedroia's back so they they have Dustin Pedroia there and he hasn't had any work at second base I think he was mostly working third base first base in the AFL uh so it's like first base ah I mean they have Mitch Moreland you know DH maybe I I don't know it's it's tough to see you know, I think he could use just a full year in the minors to just, you know, mash triple A pitching and may, maybe he gets a call in September or something like that. I don't think there's any reason to, to rush this guy, even though he was impressive in the AFL. They just, I don't see him being an upgrade for over anyone at any of the positions he can play this season. So more of a 2019 guy for me. But I mean, if, if the injury bug strikes, like if Rafael Devers gets hurt or maybe uh they're they're struggling to get quality at bats at dh maybe they move devers to dh and, and bring up chavis if he's raking at triple a but i i do I, I do not see an, a reason to to rush him unless there's there's a gaping hole in the big league big league club number two in the red sox system jay grom and this kid you know, it's not hard to see the upside but did have some injuries last year including a forearm strain which is worrisome just 19 years old and as we talked about the bus rate with these guys is pretty high but uh where are you willing to to take a guy like grom if you're doing a, a from scratch dynasty league so i would have thought that grom would have been a nice value pick this year but he's just getting treated like he, in all the mocks and and everything i'm in he's getting treated as if really nothing went wrong for him last year there's there's not a discount at all with him uh, and that's fine. I mean, he definitely still has uh, 
you know, ton of upside, number two starter upside, but I I thought there'd be a discount. There isn't, so I'm just not ending up with him, which is fine. You know, he a lot of what went wrong for him last year, I think you could blame some of it on on off the field issues that were sort of out of his control. His dad got arrested for uh having hard drugs in the house and if you kind of go back to the timeline of that his like four or five worst starts of the year were right around when his dad got arrested and so i think it's pretty easy if you just factor in the injuries and the the off the field stuff to to kind of give him a pass on the bad looking numbers from last year i still like him i still think he's a borderline top 100 prospect but a lot of people are treating him like he's a top 60, top 70 prospect. And, and at that price, I'm out. Interesting. Interesting. Does that give you any con- like makeup concerns? I mean, I hate to I don't want to put it like I, I to me, it's more of just kind of a let's give him a break for last season. Yeah. I, I don't think you can. I've never heard anything about him being tied up in any of that. I mean, maybe you no. could just say he's got a crappy dad, which obviously could help or could or could hurt a guy. But uh I, I think it's it's on him now. I mean, I, I don't think hopefully there aren't any more distractions going forward. I, I definitely don't think that he's you should say he's got bad makeup or anything yeah. just because of his dad. That's that's a good point. Now we're already on to number three, and it's Brian Mata, who's just inside the top two hundred. A couple of years ago, the system. Well, I guess it was around the time Dombrowski, shortly after he <laughs> uh, took over, stripped the system down. Yeah, I, Devers graduated too, but. Where does the system stand now among the the major league teams? Uh, definitely bottom ten. Um, it's probably like borderline bottom five. You know, I mean, the fact that they have it's pretty ugly. Grom and Chavis is it's saving it from being quite in that like kind of Cubs. Uh, I'm trying to think who else? Oh, Orioles. You know, Orioles just having Hayes at the top. Kind of, it, it's. I forget who else. Like they're like the Giants are bad, the Royals are bad, uh, the Mar- oh the Mariners are really well, bad. Obviously, yeah. I mean I think that they're they're borderline bottom five. Interesting. So anything to say about Mata? Uh, he's projectable. He's young. He had success last year as a teenager at Low A. He's going to be eighteen when he <laughs> pitches at High A, which is which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff isn't quite. Uh, top of the rotation or or number two starter stuff right now i just i kind of like the idea of gambling on him just given his his size and youth and success in in a full season league last year and wouldn't surprise me if you know if he adds a couple of miles an hour on that fastball we could be talking about him as a top 100 guy this time next year number four in the red sox system danny diaz just 17 years old but man i mean you look at this kid, it's, the, the raw tools look really exciting. Part of the J2 class last year, signed for $1.6 million. Um, what do you have to say about him? I and mean, what is the the thing he needs to fix to just rocket up the system in future years? I just, yeah, I just ended up with Diaz as a fourth-round guy in a first-year player mock uh, for kind of you're doing your Dynasty League drafts and you draft from the, the guys that signed after opening day last year or whatever. Uh Diaz, I think, is one of the best J two guys from last year's class for fantasy purposes because he's he's kind of all bat. He was listed as a shortstop when they signed him. They immediately switched him over to third base. He's a big kid, six foot three, two hundred pounds. So you could definitely see the body going in the wrong direction between now and when he 
is uh, knocking on the door of the big leagues, but there's a chance for a plus hit to him plus power. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of all geared towards fantasy with him. As long as he hits in the, the DSL this year, he might, uh, might get to go stateside to a rookie league and really improve his stock. I, I mean, he's another guy that could be a borderline top 100 guy this time next year. Interesting. Cole Brannon is a guy that, you know, this is a kind of a, a combo that I typically like with a decent approach along with speed, uh, you say here that he's a foundational skill set for a potential leadoff hitter, but still just 19 years old. Is it worth taking a gamble on him and, and say like our uh, Rotowire staff keeper leagues? Not yet. I mean, he's outside my top 200. This this system, you know, af- after Grom and Chavis, there really isn't anyone worth owning in in our staff keeper league too, unless you wanted to just get really aggressive with a guy like Danny Diaz and try to hit on you know some guy that could be up around 100 next year. Brandon, to me, even if even if everything goes well for him this year, I don't really see him getting inside the top 100. Interesting. Well, as you said, you know these guys behind the guys we talked about not really worth considering yet. But you were kind enough to offer up another 15 prospects. That was in that was really kind of regrettable. I mean, I I I got you know I whittled it down. I whittled it down to 20 guys, and I was like, look, if I'm going to include this guy, I got to include this guy, and blah 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 but like it's a labor of love this system really i mean the fact that i went 20 deep here i mean that's pretty sick (laughs) (laughs) i have a sickness you need an intervention (laughs) here james we appreciate it i mean honestly the more the merrier for me because i I don't know a lot of these guys and just getting a little cap here i know it's a lot of work but uh just a, a little primer on these guys that i haven't heard of is nice now the yankee system a lot of guys i have heard of um and most people probably have Glaber Torres leading the system ninth overall in your overall top 400. Of course, wiped out 2017 season wiped out due to Tommy John surgery for the most part. But he was raking Triple uh, A before the injury. Second base still open for them. Do you think he's a guy that they could keep down until until like say mid April? Then it's his the rest of the way. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I think with Torres, they're just gonna. They're going to be ready to do it whenever the time's right. Like it, it's not going to be a situation where we're calling for Torres to get a promotion for like a month before it actually happens. I think if he's hitting and they're not getting production at second base or even third base, he'll be up. And I don't think you know the Yankees are really only going to be worried about getting that extra year of control. So could be up anywhere from mid-April to May may even take till June, you know, it just, it really depends how he's hitting and how the rest of the infield's performing, but definitely one of the, the top five or six guys, I think for, for single season leagues, just because it, it does seem like an inevitability that he's up in the first half. And I really don't see there being much of a learning curve with him. Very interesting. Second in the system, Miguel Andahar and like at second base, third base is open right now with Todd Frazier signing with the other New York club. No other free agents added so far. And we have a note up on the site right now that Andahar actually, according to MLB.com and from Aaron Boone's own mouth, Andahar does indeed have an opportunity to open the season with the Major League team. I really wanted him in that CBS auction. I was dead set on getting him. Then he went for like nine bucks. Jeez. I mean, I, I, I was pushing it up close to there. I had little money left. I think it was Brent Hershey. Love you, Brent, but you got to let me get my guys. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, no, I, I thought that was a pretty good buy because 
yeah, he's unproven and we haven't, uh, we don't know for sure if he's going to be up right away, but somebody with the power and batting average, the bat speed to, to make a pretty big impact. Yeah. I, man, it, it's so annoying how this stuff happens. Like I, through my, my prep, um, when we were doing like notes for the magazine and everything back in, you know, November, uh, I just, I had Andahar, I think like in the maybe seventies on my top 400 at the end of the season. And just after digging in on it, I was like, oh, this guy's, I'm way too low on this guy. This guy's a, a top 30 prospect for sure. And I don't really think anywhere else had him there. And then, you I mean, know, most, get, place, most places still don't have him anywhere close. To this. Yeah. Well, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm just, I'm not getting him in any of these mocks. I'm not getting him in any dynasty leagues because people all just sort of decided around the same time that they, they liked Andahar and yep, just in time for RDI. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I thought he was going to be a lot more underrated than he is. I mean, this is how it, it always happens. You know, hate guys like Austin Hayes, Miguel Andahar go from super underrated for single season leagues back in November, December to, you know, by the time March around rolls around, their price might be prohibitive. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I love Andahar's bat though. I mean, there, there are questions about his glove, but, uh, man, I mean, he's got real quick bat, uh, just sprays it to all fields. He's going to hit a He's going to hit a ton of doubles this year. Uh, can, the, can the arm make up for the glove a little bit? Well, you know, I don't think, I mean, he's got the arm. It's just how accurate's the arm and the range. Yeah. I mean, there's just your general kind of young third baseman issues with him. I mean, range is not going to be a factor for him. It's just kind of making the routine plays, I think. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he, I think he long-term has the upside to be a 290 hitter with 25 plus homers, which is awfully nice. Yeah, I was pretty fortunate to get him in, in RDI. Didn't think he'd last that long, but I think I got him right after McMahon. He's loading up on prospects kind of in that that middle portion of the, the first half. Okay, I'm pretty excited about wanting some more shares, but, I mean, the word is getting out, that's for sure. Estevan Florial, third in the Yankees system. I'm mad that I didn't get to go to Charleston last year and see him. Likely headed up to Trenton, double A level to begin this season. We got to see him in the AFL though. Yeah, that's true. Not not much, but we did see him a little bit. I just wanted to see his body, and it it what, what do you think? It lived up to expectations. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, you see that body, you think thirty thirty potential, dude. I mean, there's. I wouldn't be surprised by any kind of combination of homers and like steals within reason with him. I mean, it, it's, there's all kinds of tools here. I, I don't know what the batting average is going to be. I could see, you know, he's going to head to double a this year. I wouldn't be surprised if people are freaking out in like early May about what's wrong with Florial. Like I thought you said Florial was really good. Like this is not a guy like a uh, Ronald Acuna or, or uh, you know, Vlad jr. Who's just going to, quickly force the issue and force his way to the big leagues there's going to be adjustment periods for him at every stop uh double a pitching i could definitely see giving him some issues early on you if you're going to draft him you're going to have to be a little bit patient but the payoff could be huge i mean the his upside if i was just doing an upside list and ranking all the prospects based on their absolute best case scenario outcome he'd be in the top 10 i mean it's it's 
definitely all there for him. It's just a matter of uh, improving his approach, swinging at better pitches, and, I mean, the, the power and speed potentials off the charts. Man, just for a second, Acuna, you mentioned Acuna. I'm begging the Braves to bring in an outfielder, as was rumored. Just to keep Acuna's price oh, lower I, that. That'd be glorious. That'd be the awesome. idea the idea that anyone they would possibly sign would have any impact on yeah. his debut date to me is hilarious. I saw some people like, well, this could affect Acuna. Get out of here. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <clears throat> when, it, when all those when all the Braves are hanging out this year at spring training, like he's gonna be the the cock of the walk man like he all the other guys are just gonna be kind of like looking looking at him when he walks by i mean like he's he's the big dog in that yeah he is i saw just a pic of him chatting in the the dugout and just so much swag Uh, man he's gonna be a cover boy we didn't get him on the cover one of this year but he will be next time they ask us who we want on the cover if if they ever do again uh (laughs) we'll we'll put a cunha on the cover absolutely well albert abreu number four he was another guy that was talked about at the Fall League quite a bit. I don't think we saw him, though. I don't remember seeing him. Uh, but missed time due to injury and was there to kind of make up some innings. Uh, two pitches that you put 70 grades on. What is that third pitch that needs to come around? It's actually, it's honestly, there's not a, it has, him being only like 100th or whatever overall has nothing to do with the repertoire. I mean, the the fastball's a, a monster, the changeup's a monster, the curveball also has a chance to be a, a plus pitch. It's really just about durability and command with him. And you know, he he has had a hard time putting together lengthy seasons. He's you know, he can he can throw some strikes, but it's there you know, he's gotta work on his command inside the zone too. There's I think most evaluators you talk to will put the relief odds anywhere from like 30 to 60% with him. So that's really the reason why he's not ranked higher is just, there's, there's a decent amount of bullpen risk here, but of all their arms, uh, well, maybe not all their, of all their arms that have pitched in a full season league, he has the highest upside. And to me, it's not even that close. Very interesting. Chance Adams was a guy that you were kind of calling on to get a chance uh, no pun intended. Last year, did not get an opportunity to start with the big league team, but uh, now you know with the additions there. I guess not many additions to that pitching staff, but with the emergence of a guy like Jordan Montgomery, maybe you'll keep Adams' chances uh, minimized. But do you think he's a guy that, in time at least, could be a, a mid-rotation type of guy? Yeah, I think uh, you know, low end number three, high end number four. I think is kind of a realistic expectation for him uh he needs to improve his change up so that he has a, a better way to neutralize opposite handed pitch or opposite handed hitting uh that's kind of the i think that's from the reports i've seen that's the reason why he didn't get a call last year is they were they were worried about him against lefties hmm. uh but i think he's probably pitching in that rotation either every fifth day or at least getting some spot starts at some point in the first half here Number six, Justice Sheffield, and as a short man myself, uh, your bias against short p- pitching prospects uh, hurts a little bit, quite honestly. No, I get it completely. The track well, I'm really going out on a limb with that bias, by the way. Like, I, I'm really <laughs> yeah, they just don't hold. I'm up, really look. putting myself out there. I'm, look, I'm not into I'm not into short pitchers. What can I say? Look, that's uh, 
That's so discriminatory. I have a type, and it's six foot three, six foot four, athletic, projectable pitchers, and and Justice Sheffield is not that. Let me ask you, just while we're on this topic, what about Jose Barrios then? Because you've always been a Barrios guy. He's not a tall guy. Uh, is he just kind of the exception? I think it's kind of, uh, you know, what's what's Barrios like six six one six is foot? He? I thought he was shorter than that. We will see. Um, I I think it might just be the number six versus the six foot versus the number five. (laughs) Like when I when I see five foot eleven or five foot ten, I start getting worried. When it's like six and everything else is great. I mean, I didn't have some of the same question marks I have had with Barrios that I do with Sheffield. If we're even just talking about repertoire and command, (laughs) like uh, Sheffield to me, like we saw him in the AFL. I mean, he was trying to throw it through the backstop, but. And and the stuff's electric for sure. Like I get like I, I probably get asked about why I'm so low on Sheffield uh, as much as any other pitching prospect, and I just I don't. What I saw was a guy that's ready to just dominate in short bursts, and uh, you know the command's just really not that great. His uh, third pitch isn't that great. I think look if he makes it, he'll be kind of a exception to the rule i mean maybe he's got some marcus stroman potential or whatever short pitcher you want to name but i mean it's just the the odds if i bet against all the short pitchers i'll probably be right like 85 percent of the time (laughs) that is a pretty good rule of thumb i I thought barrios was shorter i thought he was like five ten five eleven he is six foot i guess Uh, supposedly i'll take their word for it i guess that's a good that's a good uh just general rule to apply to a guy like Dylan Peters. I know we were talking about once. I mean, he, he could be he could be six foot five, and I'd be like <laughs> next. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Luis Medina, number seven. Dermis Garcia at eight. I think is an interesting player because a lot of swing and miss, but also a ton of raw power. Still at the lower levels, but do you think eventually, <clears throat> even if he comes up and hits like two forty, two fifty, he could be a pretty good fantasy player? Yeah, it's, I mean, he has, I think I would bet, I would put my money on Garcia if we just were to say who has the most raw power in the minors right now. I think it's, you know, Vlad Jr. would be on that list. Eloy Jimenez would be on that list. Uh, but to me, it's, it's Dermis Garcia. I mean, he, he just destroys baseballs. Uh, I think it, I made a trade with uh, Tom Trudeau in, in TDGX this offseason and I like I traded Jose Siri on your Reds for Dermis Garcia, and it's just it's one of those geeky like prospect trades that like nobody really cares about. But I'm fascinated to see how it turns out because both those guys are just super risky lottery ticket types. Uh, and you know, I someone asked me like, well, aren't you worried that like if Garcia goes out and hits you know two forty or whatever this season, like he's going to be tough to trade and. It's like, well, yeah, but he might hit 40 homers in a minor league season before he gets to the big leagues. And at that point, he's pretty easy to trade because he's he's not only does he have this crazy raw power, but he's young for his levels and he's and he walks a lot like those are two huge factors working in his favor. Like I wouldn't care about him at all if he was 23 and didn't walk. But the fact that he's going to go to low A, probably reach high A. Uh, as a 20 year old to me that's that's exciting if he you know has one of those great seasons like 
Joey Gallo had that one year where, he, where I think he hit like 40, 38, 40 homers in the minors, then all of a sudden he becomes a guy that you can easily get something for in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Solak, number nine. And number 10, Billy McKinney. Talk about fatigue. This guy's been around for a while, but still, you know, just outside your top 200 overall, 23 years old. Do you think maybe McKinney cracks the big leagues and, and plays a decent amount this year? I mean, I would bet against it, but they don't have a ton of backup plans if Greg Bird either gets hurt or sucks. And I mean, who could think that could happen? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's never sucked or been hurt, so I don't know why I would ever <laughs> throw that out. But, uh, I mean, McKinney played first base in the AFL strictly because if he'd kept if he'd stayed as an outfielder he would have been like sixth on their depth chart and he's basically big league ready at this point so uh it would be like tyler austin slash billy mckinney slash maybe like aaron judge or stanton or something i mean I, they they really don't have a ton of options at first base if something happens to greg bird so uh, maybe mckinney could get some at bats that way uh if he is just raking at triple a maybe he comes up and just gets some starts at dh here and there i definitely think there's a way that he gets at bats i just i don't think i'd bet on him getting enough at bats this year to be relevant in most formats yeah i'm with you i mean plus guys like brett gardner gardner's been healthy but aaron hicks and him have had some injury issues in recent years there could be a path but we'll see uh rhyme for salinas i like that name after him there's a pretty big drop off in that system why do you like salinas uh, he's he's just another one of those J2 guys from this past season that could really blow up if he does some does some damage in rookie ball this year. He's got tools. He's got uh, – I was trying to figure out how to phrase this. I mean, he's so he's going to be 17 on opening day, and I was trying to talk – I was trying to figure out how to say how much I love his body, and it was just – it just kept seeming weird. It kept sounding weird, like – he's just got he's got the perfect body and, and it's just like <laughs> oh, i don't know but yeah i mean he he does i mean it's like the exact type of projectable like outfielder body you'd want a 17 year old to have if you want him to keep his speed and grow into some power uh six foot 175 pounds uh just you know potential five category guy so he could he could definitely blow up and you know yankees there's a few organizations where if a guy blows up in that system it's pumps them a bit higher i feel like the yankees are one of those systems so uh not a bad flyer if you're in a pretty deep league anybody else you want to mention in this yankee system before we move on no i mean they just have so many arms just arms for days like guys where you know and almost all these guys i had to say but he's probably a reliever but like he could he could be an awesome starter but he's probably a reliever yeah i mean that's the case with, with most guys i mean it's hard to make it as a big league uh starter so it's a pretty safe assumption with a lot of those guys Ray's system willie adamas now i I like adamas he's still 19th overall in your top top 400 but seems like people are maybe souring on this guy a little bit he went in the reserves actually in that cbs that's awesome al only which yeah it really is there's also i mean i know that it doesn't seem like he has a, a clear path but this guy should be up playing quite a bit on this Rays team i think this year but from a fantasy standpoint is he going to do enough across the board to be really a difference maker i mean i i it's so funny to me that how much he's getting slept on right now he really like the the skill set i mean he's a better obp guy even than this guy but 
like a year ago. I feel the same way about Adamas today as I felt about Dansby Swanson a year ago. Now we were we were a little we were quite a bit further down on Swanson than most places, but uh, you know I had him in my teens. I want to say, and I have Adamas in the teens. Uh, Adamas is going to be up. Like I could see him being up in mid-April, just once they get that extra year control, because like they kept him at AAA all of last year. He didn't really have anything left to do there, and they they haven't blocked him in any way on the at, at shortstop. They have a Danny Hetcheveria. Like who cares? Didn't like they that. pay him like five million in arbitration? That's silly. <laughs> did he win like that a Gold Glove? Blo- and did that, that did that play it. into it or something? I mean, he is really good in the field, but still. I mean, I I just don't. You look at their entire infield depth chart, and there's not a single obstacle for anyone that's that's, that's as good as adamas so uh you know i think it's kind of like a 270 batting average with 25 home runs maybe in his in his peak years and there's uh more upside there in obp leagues he walks a lot uh you know there's some risk in the sense that he's 22 and hasn't proven it against big league pitching but i mean how many shortstops can you say are, are decent bets to hit over two even just 260 with 20 plus homers i mean it's not a super long list even with the power breakouts we've been having so i i think he's definitely a guy to keep in in mind even in even in like 15 team mixers i think he becomes fantasy relevant at some point this season very interesting yeah i i would have gotten him but i ended up drafting very early in that both carlos correa and lindor so it kind of was handcuffed a little bit and getting a dame's uh, but yeah, he's he's looking like a even in yeah single season value right now. Honeywell, another guy who's a pretty good value on the board. I got him for seven bucks in that auction. You have him twenty seventh overall, one of the top pitching prospects in the game. Nice arsenal of pitches, including that famous screwball of his. What is the long term ceiling with a guy like Honeywell? I think his realistic ceiling is like a low end SP two high-end sp3 but he's the type of guy that has you know excellent command uh deep repertoire this is the type of profile that sometimes overshoots a ceiling like that maybe he becomes i mean there's a non-zero chance he becomes a number one starter in like three or four years i would i would take the under on that by quite a bit i think he's probably more of a, a number three in real life but uh he's all all pitchers have risk, but in terms of pitching prospects that have never pitched in the major leagues before, I think his risk is about as low as it gets. Interesting. Number three in the system, Jesus Sanchez. And I guess I just, I always find myself overlooking this guy. I guess it's because of the boring generic name, uh, Jesus Sanchez. It just doesn't jump out to you. But why should I be more excited about Jesus Sanchez? He's got a, a hell of a hit tool, and he's got, you know, really – lean athletic frame uh he's gonna tap into more power at every stop i think you know he, he could hit 300 and hit 25 to 30 homers if everything works out so that's that's definitely the selling point on him i mean he's got you would you watch him play and you'd think that he'd be faster than he is he's not going to do much damage on the bases but uh yeah he's he's underrated but i, I think it might just help to be a, a raise position player prospect if you want to be underrated because it seems like a lot a lot of guys are getting overrated this time of year and and these raised guys people keep sleeping on them 
Yeah, absolutely. Jake Bowers, another guy that people seem to be sleeping on. Where did did he go? Two bucks. Two bucks. Two bucks. Okay. I wanted to bid up, but I man, I was getting pretty low there at the end. Could not do it. Brendan McKay, number five. A lot of talk about him, but we're already pushing up on forty five minutes. You're past your departure. We're past your typical departure time. I don't want to keep you around a whole lot longer, but I do want to jump to number twelve in this system. New addition to this club this offseason, part of the Longoria trade. Christian Arroyo, 12th. Any reason to be even somewhat excited about this guy? I think he'll play a decent amount of second base for the Rays this year and hit like you two, sound thrilled. 275 with like six homers or something. <laughs> I don't know. Six homers? He doesn't have any power. Good. I mean, he he's just whatever. Like, the only reason I have him ranked where I do, like, the only reason I have him ranked at all is because he's basically big league ready. He's going to play second base or third base. He has a chance to hit for a decent average. I mean, that's that's kind of the end of the the fantasy scouting report on him. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, finally, Blue Jays system. A lot of exciting young players in this system, particularly up top. Vlad Jr., your number two overall guy. I don't know if there's really much to add here. Anything at all? Nope. Not going to be up this year. Well, I, I, someone was asking about that on Twitter. Like, if the It's not hard to envision a scenario where well, it, it is hard to envision a scenario where the Blue Jays are competing for a playoff spot. But it, if they are, like if, if they're in the mix somehow for the division or even like, you know, heavy, heavily in the mix for a wild card spot and say Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette have both just destroyed double A pitching, forced their way to triple A. I guess you could see a scenario where they come up this year. Uh, but I I still think it's a long shot, even under those circumstances, just because I think this front office I would probably put in like the bottom third in baseball in terms of willingness to rush or willingness to throw service time and and uh, stuff like that out the window. I think they're very cost conscious. That that was kind of the whole reason that they were brought in is to save the ownership money. Uh, so I think I think you're going to just see Vlad Jr. be in the exact same spot Acuna is this year where. Hopefully we don't have as many people questioning when he's going to debut, uh, but it, I think mid-April 2019 is probably when you see him and Bobochet. Nate Pearson, number three, exciting, really exciting fastball, and two secondaries, which you say could be plus pitches. But Anthony Alford is a big X factor this year, both in uh, long-term leagues and in redraft. I'm pretty excited about him, but, man, the injury history is troubling. But if he's able to stay on the field, do you see him being a – on base and speed threat at the big league level. Yeah, he's he's kind of a weird prospect just because I feel like the scouting reporter, what fantasy owners expect from him has sort of changed a little bit each year just because it, it seemed back in the day he was going to be a potential leadoff hitter, steal 20-plus bases. Now I think people are talking a bit more about the power and the speed and maybe a little less about the on base skills i i think people are getting a little carried away in single season leagues with him i mean this is a guy that uh really doesn't have much experience at all above double a and has been hurt so much i i could be wrong i mean he's got the tools to definitely prove me wrong but i i just don't see him him being much of a factor in 2018 
Yeah, I had to hit the pause button on my, or at least scale back my excitement. After reading your outlook on him for the site, only 305 games in six seasons. That is scary, man. I know it hasn't been like any real chronic thing, but those little things here and there, they add up for sure. Uh, Logan Warmoth, number five, putting me to sleep already. Uh, Rowdy (laughs) Telez. I want to ask you about Danny Jansen because he was a guy winning that CBS AL only and getting some buzz. It's so hard to find a, a decent second catcher in any league. So some people speculating on Jansen, who was added to the 40-man, so could be an opportunity awaiting him this year. He did hit pretty well between double-A and triple-A and, and high-A last year. But how much do you actually believe in this bat? I believe in the bat. Uh, I just don't know about the glove. And I think... You know, catcher is one of the positions where this really rings true. I, I think people, you know, there's this, there's sort of been this rush to debunk the myth that so-and-so's blocked, you know, like after Cody Bellinger, everyone says, well, everyone said Bellinger was blocked last year, and so you can't say this guy's blocked. And it's like, well, yeah, if I, I don't think any prospect who has upside with the bat and is a good defender is ever truly blocked. But when you just have upside with the bat and you're a potentially below average defender, then you can definitely be blocked. And, and, and Danny Jansen doesn't grade out all that well as a receiver. The Blue Jays are a smart team. Like they know that they're not going to, especially if they're in the mix and they're probably going to think they're in the mix until at least July or so, they're not going to sacrifice their, pitching staff with a guy that's not ready to be a competent defensive catcher in the big leagues, no matter how ready the bat is. So I think that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm pretty down on a guy like Francisco Mejia. Um, you know, that's the reason why Dan Vogelbach hasn't, hasn't gotten to play very much. I mean, that's, that's the reason why a lot of guys end up missing out on or, or not hitting where people's fantasy expectations end up being. Cause they're just kind of scouting, the line and the batting line and they're like, Oh, this guy's ready for the big leagues. It's like, well, yeah, the bat's ready, but the glove's not ready. And and big league teams are valuing defense in ways that, you know, they've always valued defense to a certain extent, but I think teams are really valuing range in the outfield and defense behind the plate more than ever. And Jansen may not provide the, the latter. I hear you. I felt like you were subtweeting me maybe with that tweet. No, I <laughs> with, with, uh, <laughs> with Christian Walker. Well, well, yeah, with that too. But I just I was talking to somebody on on Twitter and said that yeah, as Ron Chandler said in the forecaster, that it's more about just no path, you know, blocked. Yeah, to begin the year certainly, but it seems like most guys, I mean, have some path. I mean, there's ways you can envision most of these guys seeing chances in the defense. You make a lot of good points. But guys like Hunter Renfro, even like Josh Bell, uh, Trey Mancini, they're not they're not defensive defensively inclined or even really a, a, it definitely, a plus on defense. It definitely is a team-by-team team thing too, yeah. right? Like uh, like the Padres, they're not going to block Hunter Renfro when they're, they don't care about how many w- games they win. They want to get him mm-hmm. experience against big league pitching. And he was actually supposed to be a good defender in the minors. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> uh, the Orioles have never valued defense, so that's one example of, <laughs> of a team that you can maybe – kind of use that rule a little bit loose more uh loosely but i think that if it's if it's a smart front office on a team that has aspirations of winning games i think it's it's just worth knowing what kind of defender 
each of these guys are before you start just saying, well, they they might need a catcher and this guy can hit, so he's going to be their catcher. It's like it's not always that simple. Yeah, that's, those are good points. And with Walker, it's it's more so that just like, I mean, la- I said one of your last picks in a dynasty mm-hmm. or keeper league. I mean, one of those no downside type of picks. And uh, I do think he'd probably need a, a change of scenery and the defensive concerns are there, but I feel like if a guy is hitting that much, he, he probably gets one last opportunity at the big league level uh, to, to make a case, and if, if it doesn't pan out, then it doesn't pan out. But uh, you could cut bait, and you're not, not taking a loss at all with one of your final picks. Well, James, great stuff. We appreciate it. Check out his full article for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, how have you been working on that? The collab list? <clears throat> yeah, I, I have got a... street talking penned in. That's, that's <laughs> the only one. Got it penned in. Um, I have about, I, I think I have about 16 or 17 tracks in pen right now. Haven't really decided on the exact order of the rankings. Uh, <clears throat> it's tough. Like, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to divulge. People might be able to guess, but it's like, what do you do with a track where there's all kinds of fire left and right, except for this one rapper who shows up on it, who you'd prefer not to ever have to hear rap. Uh, but the rest of the track is just 80, 80 as it gets. And then there's just this one guy that just shows up for chunks of the track. It's like, what do you do with that? You know, it's a lot, of, a lot of tough decisions to be weighed in the, the coming weeks here. Yeah, that is tough because I feel like if it's a collab, I mean, both sides have to really bring the heat to make make it overall top what if, twenty. What if one side just brings so much heat that it doesn't? You're talking about Renegade? No, okay. no, no. I thought I thought you were referencing. I'm talking. Eminem. I'll, I'll I'll give it away. Uh, I'm talking about Victory with Biggie and Puff oh, Daddy yeah. and Busta Rhymes. <laughs> it's like that might be my favorite Biggie track of all time, just in terms of of Biggie's verse verses on the yeah. the track Victory. But it's like, where can I put a song where Puff Daddy is the the intro verse? It's like, what do I do with that? Ugh. Yeah, that's really tough. I, I'm trying to hold a higher standard than that. <laughs> you. You're not going to let any of that riffraff sn- sneak onto your top twenty. No, you better believe he's he's not even close. But appreciate it, James. Thanks again. We will talk to you guys next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.